This podcast is sponsored by Prime Super, straightforward superannuation solutions that empower you to grow, manage and protect your wealth and retirement income. That's Prime Super. Go to primesuper.com.au to learn more. While nurses are admired by patients for their work, they are still battling for comprehensive consultation on healthcare issues. This concern underpins today's Australian College of Nursing Policy Summit that aims to offer nurses a seat at the policy-making table. I caught up with keynote speaker Professor Diana Mason, co-director of the Centre for Healthy Policy and Media Engagement at George Washington University and former president of the American Academy of Nursing, whose presentation will kick off with a discussion of the differences between the US and Australian healthcare systems. And I started off by asking her what among the differences are the most striking. Well, if you look at a comparative study, uh, actually it's done... Uh, periodically by the Commonwealth Fund that's based in the in the United States that compares uh, comparable countries to the U.S. Australia is one, and um, uh, the U.S. ranks very poorly on most of the indicators uh, in this study that look at the um, quality of healthcare and access to healthcare, and uh, as well as outcomes. So on healthcare performance, uh, Australia ranks second out of uh, these 11 uh, peer countries, and um, the United States is dead last. Uh, so uh, Australia has, you have better care processes, you have better access to care, you have better administrative efficiency, you have better equity, and you have better health outcomes. In fact, you rank number one out of these 11 countries on health care outcomes. We rank 11th. Where the United States exceeds all other developed countries is in how much we spend on health care. We spend way more than other countries, more of a percentage of our gross domestic product than other countries, including Australia. Australia, actually, you are uh, have ended up in the most recent data in 2014 as spending the least of these 11 countries. And uh, but you're clustered very closely, closely with some of the other countries. But the United States, uh, the proportion of our GDP, uh, gross domestic product, is around 17, close to 17%. And yours is uh, closer to about, I would say, 8%. So you spend half as much as we do in terms of the percentage of our gross domestic product on healthcare, um, and yet you have better outcomes. So... um, I think you're doing quite well, and in fact, I'm going to raise the question tomorrow of, you know, why am I presenting to you? You should be presenting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but Australia does have some some areas for improvement, and one is in access to care, and that makes sense, particularly from the standpoint of your more remote areas, as well as uh, on equity. You actually are seventh. In, in ranking uh, of these uh, develop, 11 de- developed countries, you rank seventh on healthcare equity. And so you still have problems with 
uh, socioeconomic differences in the quality of care in the health outcomes, uh, and 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 it's actually more in terms of health outcomes and and uh, how how different populations do in your country on on health outcomes that are there are disparities by socioeconomic status, and my conclusion is really that. You don't really need much more health care at all. I think you need to improve access in rural areas. But even there, um, I can tell you from I, I live on the one hand in New York City, but I also spend most of, I spend most of my time in the mountains in upstate New York, a very rural area. And we're just beginning to use telemedicine there. Mm-hmm. And you've been way ahead of the curve on that. So I think it's looking at where are the disparities in care in terms of access and what to do about that, as well as how to promote uh, equity uh, in terms of some of the other factors that um, affect the health of people. And so my argument is more health care is not necessarily the answer, uh, that indeed um, nurses need to be turning their attention to what's called the social determinants of health. And I will speak about those social determinants of health, but it's really looking at nurses getting more involved and outspoken on the connection between health and education, business development, economic development and health, uh, transportation and health, access to healthy foods and health. Uh, and, And so I think needing to turn your attention as we are trying to do, I'm really trying to push this message in the United States that we've bought into the fact that we think healthcare systems are what promotes health and um, and they don't necessarily promote health. In fact, in the United States, medical errors are the third leading cause of death in our country. So I really don't want to enter the healthcare system if I don't have to in the United States. Uh, and I don't know that what your uh, medical error rate is. I suspect it's not as bad as ours. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, um, again, healthcare not being really the answer to promoting the health of the population here, but really trying to reduce disparities, improve education, improve health behaviors. So if you look at what, what causes the variance in health, uh, why do people, why are there populations with better health than others? One of the factors is healthcare, but it only accounts for about 10 to 25% of that variance in health, the differences in health. Genetics plays a role, but the physical environment. So uh, uh, unfortunately, the United States is the only country not to participate in the Paris Climate Accords. I'm embarrassed by that because we know that the physical environment contributes 5 to 10% to that variance in health, and it may take on more as we have more problems with climate change. But socioeconomic factors, social and economic factors, account for 15 to 40% of the variance in health. So if we want healthier people, healthier communities, we have to take a look at the socioeconomic factors. And health behaviors account for 30 to 40% of the variance in health. And so you could make the case, well, that's really up to the individual, and it's the fault of the individual themselves if they don't have healthy behaviors. But we know that isn't true. We know that, indeed, health behaviors are influenced by what kind of food you have access to. 
And so if you don't have access to healthy foods, your choices are not going to be healthy choices. Uh, and if you don't know about the problems with smoking, and if you don't, if you don't have the aids and the help that you need to quit smoking, that may not be as much of a choice to quit smoking. We know that nicotine is highly addictive, uh, and so it may not be a real choice for an individual. So even with health behaviors, there are policies and social values that really come into play in terms of individual health behaviors. So ACN's event is focused on giving nurses a seat at the policymaking table and, and recognising the, the constantly changing landscape of the provision of patient care and services in Australia. So in your experience, what, what power do nurses have to shape policy and shape health systems and beyond? Well, I think, first of all, um, nurses have the opportunity to shape policies lo- at the local level as well as at the state and or territory and federal level, the national level, by their votes, by the candidates that they are supporting. Mm-hmm. Uh, or the, I understand you have a parliamentary system, and so you're voting uh, theoretically for the political party. But it, we know that, um, and I've talked to people here who said that, yes, some people will vote for the party, but many people will vote for the candidate that is representing the party in the election. And so nurses need to be visible with the fact that they will use their vote to vote for candidates who, and for parties that support a healthy a, a policy agenda. And so parties that, that have a policy agenda that promotes real it promotes the health of communities. So the nursing I think the nursing community needs to have a conversation about what do we believe about health and what promotes health and what is the party that aligns with our interests. And so I think with the numbers of nurses, it is the largest uh excuse me, I believe in Australia it's the same as in the United States, that nurses comprise the largest group of health professionals. And if you make it known that we are going to vote, uh, use our votes to vote in parties and candidates who support health and health of communities, that's very powerful. But I also think that uh, nurses need to run for office and to hold local and state and national offices and seek appointments uh, by government and by other entities and to be insisting that nurses are at all decision-making tables that have anything at all to do with health. So think about in your rural areas and where transportation may be a problem, it may be a barrier to access to health care. Who better than a nurse to sit on a commission on transportation that's looking in a rural area about how do we improve transportation? The nurse understands the importance of that transportation to getting access to health care. Or having a nurse on a school board, we know that education is a strong predictor of health. And so being able to have strong educational systems at all levels, the early school, I've, I'm not sure how you refer to your 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 educational system, but having it for children and for teenagers as well as your universities. You should have nurses on boards, on school boards, on the boards of universities, being able to speak to the importance of, you know, how that university or how the school 
is creating a healthy environment for its students, for example. Um, on environment, we've got nurses who are fighting back against our president's um, mindless withdrawal uh, from the uh, climate accord and his his deliberate attempts to undermine regulations and policies that have been put into place to have healthier environments in the United States. Our president is rolling back some of the protections that we have for our water to ensure that we have clean water and clean air and that animals are not contaminated by, by unhealthy environments and chemicalized environments. And so they are rolling back on this. And so nurses are speaking out and are saying, we, we are supporting environmental regulation that is going to promote the health of individuals and families and communities. So I think nurses have to be very insistent that there must be a nurse at every health decision make, health related decision making table and not just health care tables, but they should be at all decision-making tables in the hospital, in home care agencies, in public health, but also at all other tables where health is influenced by whatever is being examined. Uh, you'll also explore the commonalities of, of nurse-designed models of care. Uh, in what ways do they stand out? Well, if you think, and so I can speak to this mostly from the United States. Mm -hmm. We are trying to transform healthcare in our country. We have a very strong, a very uh, strong, that's the wrong word. We have a, an extensive acute care system. We built out hospitals in our country back in the 1940s through a policy that invested in hospitals, expansion and creation in areas that maybe didn't have a hospital. And, and while we're no longer doing that to the same extent, um, we have this vast acute care system. But we didn't invest in promotion and health promotion and public health and uh, primary care and recovery care the way we invested in acute care. And nurses bought into that agenda. We, were, we stood ready to respond to our government's interest in expanding acute care. Well, we realized that we as I noted earlier, we don't we spend all this money on acute care when we're not focused on how do we prevent people from needing that acute care. That is foolish. And so there's a real effort going on to try and it started under President Obama to try to focus on building having having health coverage for everyone because we don't have that in the United States. And if you're going to have that health coverage, how to make sure that people have access to good primary care, comprehensive primary care. And so as we have been looking at how do we reform and transform our healthcare system, uh, we realized that nurses have developed models of care that really can help to guide our nation in how to do that transformation. And so the, the research that we've done on some of these nurse-designed models, of innovative models of care, ha, uh, we've looked at what are the commonalities across these models of care, and they really are the elements that our healthcare system needs to adopt to transform it. So one is 
defining health holistically. You know, when you figure out, and I understand this is an issue in your country, that dental health, your the 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 condition of your teeth very much affects your physical health in, in total. Then why aren't you why aren't you including in your healthcare dental health? Uh, when you think about the social and economic factors that affect health, why aren't we paying attention to that? Why are we paying more attention to physical health than these socioeconomic factors that could prevent that the physical deterioration of health from occurring in the first place? So these nurses define, we define health holistically. And that's something that our our country needs to do, and I would argue Australia needs to do, is to look at health from a holistic perspective that recognizes that the economic development of a community influences health, that the mental condition of an individual or a family affects physical health and the health of that individual. So defining health holistically. A second quality or commonality across these models is that even when the model provides care for an individual, the nurses realized that you cannot just look at that individual in isolation. You have to look at them from the within the context of them being part of a family and a community. And you have to focus on that family and you have to focus on that community if you're going to have healthy individuals. So it is an individual, family, and community focus. In the United States, we have focused very much on the individual and have ignored, to a large extent, the health of the family and certainly the health of the community. And then uh, the third element is that nurses understand that relationships are key to promoting health. And these are relationships with individuals, relationships with families, and relationships with communities. And these relationships are key. But when you have a very fragmented healthcare system, as we do in the United States, you don't have the opportunity to build those relationships. And in fact, our payment system uh, precludes us from developing relationships in many ways. Our, our, our payment system pays for this episodic care that you need. You need, you need treatment for your uh, for your knee or for your cough or what have you, and you may have different providers. Whereas, for example, in your remote areas, you have nurses who know the community and have relationships with people and can really work with people over time. And so that that idea of building relationships uh, and and having the time working with the same people over time to build those relationships and that trust those are essential to really understanding what affects the health of people and working with them to promote their health. And finally, that group and public health approaches are are key to promoting health. And I'm going to give some examples tomorrow of nurses who have used group approaches to health that such as a, a model called centering pregnancy, where this midwife realized she had seen all these women it was say, in a day and was saying the same thing to every woman. And she thought, you know, I'm sick of hearing myself talk. Mm-hmm. She said, there's got to be a better way to do this. Mm-hmm. And so she decided to put together a group of women who were at the same stage of pregnancy pretty much. 
And she then facilitates the discussion with them about the stage of their pregnancy and issues of concern to them and issues that ought to be of concern to them at this stage of their pregnancy. And over time, these women build relationships with each other, and it's a support system, and it engages the women in their own health, and it has them, you know, really uh, having better outcomes. And she's done randomized clinical trials that have shown that she's improved the birthing outcomes, improved the breastfeeding rate, and saves money, saves, has saved millions of dollars through this group approach. And so that can be done not just with pregnancy. She's now doing it with diabetes and congestive heart failure, et cetera. And so these are, these are some of the elements these, that nurses bring to thinking about how to design healthcare in a way that works for people and promotes health. Overall, what do you hope attendees walk away from your presentation thinking a little bit more about? So, uh, uh, first of all, I'm, I'm doing a master class tomorrow, and at that master class, um, I want to make the con- connection between. So, they're, they're, the master class is for nurses who are working on uh, uh, specific pol- issues related to policy. Mm-hmm. And they have four issues of concern that they're addressing uh, end of life care, uh, aging. Uh, chronic disease and workforce sustainability. And so we're going to be talking about, you know, how do you, what, how do you think about policy and developing a policy agenda, uh, and thinking about the political context of that policy agenda. But then how to influence that work, the importance of media, accessing media and messaging and framing your messages in a way that's going to move your agenda forward. And so I think one of my messages, particularly tomorrow, but I'll also make this message on Friday, is that we've got to be more vocal and visible in the media. And we don't have to wait for journalists to come to us. We can go and push our messages out using social media and blogging, et cetera, and tweeting. (laughs) Yes, but we've got to get smarter and be more bold, if you will, with uh, promoting what nurses' expertise to journalists mm-hmm. and sharing stories and sharing the research that nurses are doing uh, and being able to present a concise argument in a powerful way to shape that policy agenda. So I'd really like uh, the, the, the nurses on Friday to walk away with a sense of, of having a vision for promoting health in Australia, particularly around these four areas, and then to think about how to be bold in advancing that agenda, the policy agenda. I I think the days of nurses being quiet and invisible are over, and that if we're going to promote the health of the public, if nurses in Australia are going to promote the public's health, they need to be bold, visible leaders. And so I really want to challenge them with stepping up and being those bold leaders and visionary leaders, having the vision and having the voice to articulate that vision and being bold with pushing that vision out there. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us. Oh, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you for your interest.